and welcome to this episode of the Lackadar Podcast. I'm glad you decided to tune in, as always, and really thankful for that and thankful for each and every one of you who've encouraged me and all that great stuff. So, before we dive off into Ephesians 4, that's right, we are halfway through Ephesians, well, based on chapters. Maybe not based on verses and stuff like that, but we are halfway through based on chapters. So, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this awesome opportunity you've given me to speak your word, God, and the words you would have me to, God, not my words, God, because like I always like to say, God, they're not, my words can't save anyone, God, but your words can, and your words are way more powerful than anything any human could ever express, God. And just please help the listeners, God, that they could get something not from me, but from you, God. And help us to apply whatever it is that we hear today, God. And please help us to honor you in everything we do. Thank you again for Jesus, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Alright, so we're going to go ahead and read Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 7. Verse 1 says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of God's gift. So, hold on real quick. Something just happened. There we go. Well, hold on. I'm so sorry about this. Having some technical difficulties. Hope you can still hear me. Yeah, there we go. We're still going. Still good. All right. So, first thing we see, first two words, we're going to camp out there for just a second. I, therefore. So, Paul Paul likes this word a lot. He likes therefore a lot. So, we, to know what he's talking about, we have to go back to Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. So, since we have the spiritual blessings in Christ, and since we're unified believers... And that's mainly what he's been talking about is the grace and the grace that we have, the faith journey that we have. Since all of this is true, the unity, the, the faith journey, the spiritual blessings we've been we've received, since all of that is true, I therefore, and almost every one of his letters has this at some point. Romans is Romans 12. This is Ephesians 3. I want to say Colossians is Colossians 3 or 4. I'm not sure about that. It's three or four, but I think it's three, though. But he always says, I, therefore. So he's changing. What is he changing from? Well, one chapters one through three are theology-based. And, of course, they have some practicality in there. But they're theology-based. And if you don't know what theology is, that's the study of God. And you have to know what you believe before you can act on it. Because what we believe dictates how we live. And 
I've heard it said our theology of God impacts what we do on a daily basis in everything. So Paul wants to lay down, before we even get started, lay this foundation of we believe this, this is why. And then he can say, I therefore. And that's why we're moving into this. So from here to the end of Ephesians, most of this is going to be application. We're going to see action words such as act, put on the full armor of God, walk. We're about to get to that right now. So, a prisoner of, well actually we're not, a prisoner of the Lord is the next clause he uses there. Paul's literally a prisoner here. Like, bound. But he calls it a prisoner of the Lord. No, I'm sorry, that is not right. Prisoner for the Lord. I'm sorry. I completely misread that. A prisoner for the Lord. He's a prisoner of Rome, but for the Lord. And isn't that awesome? That he's here. He is even comparing his imprisonment to being for the Lord. And that's how much Paul does for the Lord. And of course, he would not want us to. He demonstrates that. He wouldn't want us to brag in him, but give it the glory to God. But he's giving even his imprisonment and the fact that he did that for God's glory to the Lord. He's a prisoner for the Lord. And he's written all this from that imprisonment. Would we do that? Well, I, I don't think we would if we were able to. I don't think we would. So next thing we see is, with all humility... Wait, sorry, I skipped the whole last half of that verse. So, I, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. That, that can be summed up in... If you're a believer, act like it. And we say that and it just kind of rolls off our back. Because we're like, yeah, yeah, we know that. We know that. And some people will have the school of thought, of, well, once you become a Christian, that's just natural. And yes, to some extent, there it is natural. Once we become a Christian. But some things we still have to work at. Like some sins from when we weren't believers still keep rooting up in our lives and we have to cut them out and just say no more, no. And walk in that manner, worthy. And we're never going to be worthy of it. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. But we need to walk in such a manner that we're closer and closer every day to being worthy of it. Because if you're not living a different life than you did even yesterday, then if you haven't changed um, and yeah, since yesterday uh, you know what I'm saying if you haven't if you can't look back on your life and see change then there's a problem so if you're a believer we have to act like it because how is the unbelieving world going to look upon us and what, what are they going to see when they look upon us are they going to see believers or are they going to see people who are called hypocrites are they going to see hypocrites or are they going to see active believers? So, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So we see a couple things to put on. Humility, being humble. Gentleness, being gentle. With patience. I know, you're not, I know you can't guess what this means. Be patient. You know, so we're called to be humble, be gentle, be patient. And bear with one another in love. These things are amazing attributes. 
and their hard attributes to attain. Like humility. That can't come on our own. We can't be humble because we think we're all of that. I mean, every, I mean, humans have to fight not to be prideful. Because in my opinion, pride is the root of all sin. Because we say, no God, I know better than you. This is right. This is what I'm going to do. Even though you said no, I know better than you. That's, that's what sin is. That's pride. Gentleness. The opposite of gentleness. There's a lot of opposites of gentleness. Not being gentle. There's a word for that I can't think of. Reckless. For all of you out there that know that reference. See, we see here, reckless is not a good thing. Because gentleness and recklessness are opposite of each other. But being gentle. Gentle, gentle. You know what these three have in common? Well, actually, four bearing with one another in love. They're all fruits of the Spirit. And we're called to put those on. And fruits of the Spirit. A key word that I've, that I've missed in there for years and years is Spirit. I mean, I know they were called fruits of the Spirit. But when you really think about it, that's fruits. Things that are going to come out of your life from the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. And I missed that for years and years. And these things don't come naturally. They come for believers. And we're called to put them on. With all humility and gentleness, bearing with one another in love. So that's how we're supposed to walk. And then eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. In the bond, this is verse 3. In the bond of peace. So we're supposed to be eager to maintain unity. We're not supposed to want to run other people down. We're supposed to be eager. And eager means excited, joyful, wanting to do it more and more. Keeping unity. And keeping in step with the Spirit. And having peace. Somewhere in Romans 12, it's close to the end. It's either, I don't think it's 21. It's 19 or 20. I should have looked this up before. But it says, keep the peace as long as it depends on you. So, we're not going to always be, there's not going to always be peace. It's impossible. But peace is another fruit of the Spirit. But we're called to be peaceful people. And to fight, pursue peace as much as we can. Now, of course, we're not supposed to be walked all over. And if someone is speaking things that aren't true about our gospel, our God, our family, our friends, of course, we're supposed to act about that. But we do it in a loving way. And we're supposed to keep this peace. We're supposed to not make turmoil or fighting with other people. We're supposed to keep up this step, keep in step with the Spirit, and keep peace as long as we can. Because people aren't going to always be peaceful with us. That's just the simple fact of the matter. And it's hard for me to believe, like, not hard for me to believe, but hard for me to understand why some people, if, like, I'm trying to figure out how to why if we're true, why when people try to be peaceful, others won't be. And because once you've put in all the work to be peaceful, because it's work for me, it's work for you. I know it is. But one, when I don't really understand what I'm trying to say here, I guess. But it's because they're unbelievers, people that can't keep peace. And that's not necessarily an unbeliever. But if you are a believer, you're going to try to keep this peace more. If you are a believer, and if you're not, then sorry, that was my stomach. I don't know if you heard that or not. My stomach just growled. But if you are a believer. Then you're going to want to show that by your by the way you do this. James talks about this. 
Like work doesn't produce faith, but faith produces works. So you're going to want to be peaceful if you're a believer. And if and the people that you're not going to be able to keep peace with are nine times out of ten going to be unbelievers. So then we move on from there to verse four. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And there's more to verse 6, but I'll get to that in a minute. What word is used in that a lot? Here, I'll read it again. There's one word that's used in that a lot. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So we see one. And one's a number of unity. So you see, there's one body and one spirit. There's one body and spirit. There's one Holy Spirit and there's one body of Christ. And that's us. That's me. That's you listening. Unless you've stumbled upon this and you're not saved, which we would love to, for you to be saved and join that body of believers through believing that Jesus came and died on the cross, rose from the dead for our sins, and making him your Lord, knowing you're a sinner and he died for our sins. Once you do that, you can be a part of this body. And that's the only way you can be a part of this body. But we see there's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There's only one hope. There's one way and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the only hope. Jesus is our hope. That belongs to your call or your call to be a believer. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So, like we were just talking about, there's one Lord. There's one God over it all. There's not all these little G-gods. God doesn't need any help. Of course, there is the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. But they're still uniquely one. Sorry, I just threw my pen because I was moving my hand so much. But there's one God. There's one God. And I'm making a huge mess here. But gotta learn to stop moving my hand so much but there's one god and one one father one spirit one son but they're all wrapped up in god there's one lord and once he becomes lord of our life he should be it there should be nothing above him and nothing that can even touch him below him like your number one should be god your number two should be way far down on the list and i struggle with this brother jerry watch just preached on this at new hope having idols and you know, one Lord. One. It's the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And it's hard for us because we want to worship something, but we always choose the wrong thing. And then we see one faith. There's only one faith that gets you to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have this joint faith. And then we see one baptism. Of course, there's not one baptism that's good enough for everybody. Everybody has to be baptized individually. And baptism doesn't save you, but it's the symbol to the world that, hey, this guy's saved. Hey, this girl's saved. You're being washed of your sins so people can see it. And then, and one, sorry, and one God, the Father of all, so one God, there's one God over it all. Same as Lord. There's one Lord to our life, there's one God over it all. You might be saying, why does, why does Paul do this? 
And I think it's to show that there's no difference in you and me and these Jews and Gentiles because there's one of everything. There's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Everybody has one. There's no God of the Gentiles, God of the Jews. There is the God who's Yahweh, who's our God. There's no one, I mean, now, we do have different baptisms. We have Duncan under, which is the Baptist way to go. We have sprinkling, infant baptism. There's another word for that, but I can't think of what it is. And, you know, I mean, baptism, the method of baptism is a second tier issue. It causes a lot of trouble. And, I mean, I understand why. But we're to seek that peace. That goes back to that. This is a different subject for a different day. But baptism, no matter how many different forms there are, there's one baptism, one faith, one way that leads to Jesus. Paul is just illustrating that there's one. So why, why, why can we not be unified? And this is still today. And this is something that's hard for me. It's hard to get along with everybody. It's hard to be peaceful with everybody. Because some people, you just want to slap their face. And it's just so hard to be peaceful with people all the time. That's what we're called to do. Who is overall and through all and in all. So that one God, he's overall, he's through all, and he's in all. He's everywhere. He's overall. He's the God that created everything, and he's overall. He's in all. Overall and through all. Through all. Everything that gets done is through his power. Like, I mean, the Indians, for example. This is one example I like to use. The Indians, Native Americans, they knew there was a higher power. There's also a Crowder song called Higher Power. Look it up. It's on his new album. They knew there was a higher power because they knew that everything around them had to be created through, by something. So God's being showcased through that. It's starting to rain, so if it gets really loud, I'll try to get louder than it. But... Hopefully that doesn't happen. And then we see in all. God's in all. In the rain that's starting to fall out there, God's in it somehow. Because God created it. And everything showcases His glory, including us. And how awesome is that? So, this next verse, debating on whether or not to go ahead and push it to next week. Because it's, we're at 18... 48 right now and this this kind of takes a while you know I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do it because next week's kind of starts something a little bit different but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift now this does not advocate for different levels of grace there's not some amount of grace to other people some to these people all grace is enough for everybody the same grace that goes to me and the same grace that goes to you would, would go to Osama bin Laden if he had turned to God before he was killed. And Osama bin Laden was the guy behind the terrorist attacks if you don't know who that is. But there's this one grace. And this is... Why it says this is whatever God gives us for to do. So for me, a pastor, youth pastor, to you, it's something different. Whatever God gives you to do, He's going to give you the ability to do it and the grace to do it. Whatever your gift is, whatever God's given you to do for your 
time. And he has something special for you. Nobody just up and says one day, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher or not. God has some kind of gift that's uniquely for you. And he gives you the grace and the ability to be able to do it and do it for his glory. And that's another thing that showcases his glory. So, that didn't take as long as I thought it would. And I hope that makes sense. But it's in no way saying different forms of grace. And that's another thing that contributes to unity. Our differences contribute to unity. Because if we were all the same, we wouldn't be unified because we wouldn't get along. So... Don't think there's anything else. Just remember, we have one faith. I know this was kind of a little bit more theological than application, but we see at the beginning all the application of putting on these things. So let's walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Eager to be in step with the Spirit. Be peaceful. Put on gentleness, humility, patience, and bear with one another in love because that's the only way unity will ever occur. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll move into closing thoughts. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for everything you've given me, God, and just thank you so much for Jesus. And please help us to be unified, God, and help us to showcase that, showcase your glory through that unity, God, because that's the only way we can be unified. And just please help us to love you more and more every day and love each other more and more, God, and that you would be on the seat of our lives, God. I just forgot the word, God. The throne of our life, God. And that nothing else would be able to touch that throne but you, God. And if there's anything there, we can knock it off and give it to you, God. And just please help us to, like I said, love you every day, God. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right. So, time for closing thoughts. One thing I was reading, I read this yesterday, and it kind of has something that we're not going to go too deep into. So this is Genesis 38. This is right after Genesis 37, obviously. And in Genesis 37, Joseph goes to check on his brothers, and they're going to kill him. They decide to just throw him in a pit, and then they decide to sell him. So all that's just happened. So he's just been sold into slavery. And verse 38 picks up. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adullamite whose name was Hira. We're not going to read any more in that chapter because that chapter gets pretty interesting and not for certain years to be able to hear because there's a lot of things that happen in Genesis 38 that don't need to be talked about on the Like It Our podcast. So anyway, two words that stuck out to me. I'll read it again. This is verse 38, verse 1. It happened at that time that Judah went down from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. So we see that he turned aside. And he didn't keep his eyes on what he was doing. And that causes the terrible actions that happened in Genesis 38. And I would encourage you to read Genesis 38 if you're of age. But, um... 
And I haven't, I've read it before, but I haven't read all of it through just studying that I've been doing through Genesis. But we see turned aside, and we know that Judah obviously wasn't too great because he just, just a few verses earlier in 37, 26 says, Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? So he was trying to make money off of what they were doing to Joseph. So we know he's obviously not quite right with the Lord. But we see that he said, turned aside. And how often do we do that? And it's really easy for us to do that. We're just going. We're running our race that's set before us. And then we see something over here to the side. That thing that looks great. So we get off the track and go down there. One thing I was talking about this this morning in my studying time. Sin, the, the one sin that we go on, it's like stepping off the side of a cliff. But on the side of that cliff, there's a slip and slide. And the slip and slide has baby oil and dish soap and everything on it to make you slide right down. And I mean, it's fun. But about 50 feet from the ground, you're just free falling and you smack right into the ground. But on your way down, they can, it can be hard to access. But there's these little ledges on the side where you can get off this slip and slide. But then you have to climb back up the top of the mountain. And that's, that's it can be hard. But when you're at the top, but somebody at the top of the mountain is reaching his hand down to help you. And that little illustration, the slip and slide, stepping off the side of the cliff, is that one sin, the small little sin that you think is not going to do anything. Sliding down the slide is the fun we have while we're sinning because sin can be fun. I mean, there's things that happen that we think are so fun and the 50-foot drop-off at the end is, of course, the death that sin causes and the pain that sin causes because it always does. The ledges, though, are our way to get back to where we are going because there's always a way to repent. And it'll be hard. It won't be fun sometimes. But then we see the man that's reaching his hand down to help us. That's God. And God's got our back. But we have to turn to him. He's not going to jump down the slip and slide to get us off. We have to do our part to turn back around and get off the slip and slide. As fun as it might be. Slip and slides are really fun. But not this one. Because this one you die at the end of it. But anyway. So. Let's keep our eyes fixed on what it, what's supposed to be fixed on. Which is Jesus. And thank you so much for listening. Still have bracelets, pop sockets, and t-shirts. You know, t-shirts, $20, everything else, free to you. And next week's testimony episode. And we've recorded that, and I'm so excited for you guys to get to hear that. So, I think that's all I have. And I hope you guys have a great week, and I love you. Goodbye.